back in 2012, me and two friends of mine, we decided we're going to take a trip to South Korea. We're going to invade Seoul and just have a the funnest time eating the best foods, um, enjoying the nightlife, hanging out with all of our friends. And so we were getting so hyped. We bought our plane tickets. We were talking with our friends in Korea that was going to host us. We we're getting ready to have the best time of our lives, eat really good Korean food, have amazing Korean fried chicken, all the street food, go shopping. We were all hyped. Everything was going well. The preparation was going splendidly, except one tiny problem. They asked me, to be in charge of planning all the accommodations. Now, if you know anything about me, I am an Enneagram Type 7, Myers-Briggs, ENFP. What does that mean? I am horrible, notoriously bad at planning. I thrive off of, off of spontaneity. I love just going with the flow, but when it comes to planning, I am horrible. I got a lot better at it as a pastor, but back in 2012, I was at the height of my horrible lack of planning. And it's weird because in the group, the three of us, there's two ENFP type sevens, which means we're two people really bad at planning. And we had one guy who was really good at planning, but for some reason it fell upon me to plan for our accommodations. Fast forward, we find ourselves our first night in Korea, 2 a.m. in the frigid winter Seoul weather, walking through a dark alley, looking for a random Korean bathhouse that could hold us for the night because you could sleep at Korean bathhouses overnight. And we looked at each other and we said, how did we end up here? And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you looked at yourself or you looked at a friend and you asked, how did we end up here? The other day, I had a startling revelation as I looked into the mirror, and I had this realization, Mickey, you officially have a dad bod. And not like a sexy, you know, handsome dad. It's like a dad bod. Like, you're, you're no Stephen Furtick. You're Rick Warren, okay? There's this dad bod that's happening to you. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, how did I end up here? I think many times in life you've experienced this, this feeling where you, you come to a place or you get to a situation or you look at yourself or you look at your circumstances and you think, how did I end up here? Maybe you're looking at your career. You're sitting at your desk and you think, man, how did I end up here? Maybe you're looking at how your relationships have, have changed and, and drifted and you guys have grown apart and you ask, how did we end up here? Maybe you look at yourself and you think of who you used to be. Man, I used to be so full of joy. I used to be so optimistic. I used to have so much passion, but now how did I end up here? And usually when we get to a place where we're asking, how did I end up here? You're at a place in life where you never expected or intended to be. And I find this especially true in our spiritual lives. We kind of go from these tentpole moments to tentpole moments. Uh, sometimes it's a retreat or a conference or the start of the year or Easter service. And we go from tentpole moments to tentpole moments. And we get to a place eventually where we realize, oh my God, how did I end up here? How, why do I feel like I've drifted so far from God? Why am I still struggling with the same things? How did I become so jaded and so bitter and apathetic? How did I end up here? 
Well, I want to revisit a verse that we started the year off with, 2 Corinthians 13, 5-6. I believe Paul has something to say to us about these moments where we realize, man, I have drifted far from God, or I'm not where I want to be. I'm not at the place where I thought or expected to be. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5-6, once again, reading from the MSG version, because I love MSG. This is what he says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I love the words that are used here. Paul says, don't drift through life unintentionally, assuming that you'll eventually float to where you need to be. Pause and give yourself regular checkups to see if you're on course, to see if you're aligning to the vision God's given you for your life, to see if you're becoming the person that you want to become. Let every step, every move be done so with intention and with purpose because without it, you are drifting aimlessly into how did I end up here? Now, this image of drifting is haunting. If you know me, I am a 35-year-old grown man that does not know how to swim. And so I have this rational phobia of water because if I find myself in deep water, I will drown. And one of y'all going to have to jump into the water and save me, okay? And I remember one time I was on my bachelor trip. We were on a lake. And I just had this courage to step onto one of the floaties and just lie there in the sun on the lake. And I remember it was so peaceful. I was in shallow water, so I wasn't afraid of drowning. If I fall, I'll just stand up. And I remember just laying back and being so relaxed that I eventually fell asleep because I could fall asleep anywhere. I fell asleep during my high school graduation, by the way. I used to be the guy in the front row of church falling asleep. I used to be the guest speaker sometimes falling asleep before I have to get up and speak. That's who I am. And so I fall asleep on this floaty. And I don't know how much time has passed, but I, I, I come to, the sun's beating on my face, I'm red hot, and I look around And I am so far from shore and I'm looking at the water beneath me and I am in deep water. And I said, holy S word, like I am in trouble. And so I'm like frantically trying to paddle back. But I realize sometimes we're drifting in life. And when we're not intentional about where we're going, where we're at, we find ourselves far from shore. We find ourselves far from where we want to be, who we want to be. And I think this is most true in our spiritual lives. We don't take regular checkups. We don't say, God, search me quite often enough. And we find ourselves so far from the vision of where God wants us to be and where we want to be. This idea, this image of drifting is haunting. The idea that every moment in our lives lived without intention, we are drifting aimlessly. Think about that. Every moment in life that's not intentional, we are drifting somewhere. And we have no say or control about where we're drifting to without purpose, without direction, drifting to places we don't want to be, drifting into people we don't want to become. And we find ourselves asking, how did I end up here? There's this thing on your phone that you could do. It's called airplane mode. You ever, ever done it before? You just throw on airplane mode. You don't have to do anything, think about anything. You won't get any calls, any texts, anything like that. And I find sometimes we're living through life in airplane mode. You ever seen the movie Click? 
Like in the movie Click, there's this guy who has this remote control and he has the power to like fast forward through the mundane, boring moments in life. And he wakes up in the like tentpole moments and the exciting moments and the big moments in life. But when he's doing the fast forwarding, He's still there, but he's just kind of drifting in airplane mode, not really intentional, not really present. And I find so many of us live most of our lives in airplane mode, Monday through Friday, just going and being like a zombie in our workplace, not really feeling or being present to what God is doing. And I feel like what God is saying today, he's calling us out of airplane mode. He's calling you to look at your life and saying, search me, God, where am I right now? And how can I move and step with you? Because every moment in life was meant to be lived in step with the spirit of God. Now, the question that you all failed to answer at the beginning of service, what was our vision for the year? We started this year by asking this question, what would it look like if we ordered our entire lives around this vision of becoming like Jesus? That at the end of the year, I can say, man, this is how I've become more like Jesus. This is the tangible evidence. I've become more patient with my partner. I've tapped into more joy in the mundane moments of my life. I tapped into this crazy faith to believe for the impossible. And I I had this vision for our community that at the end of the year, we can all say with confidence and testify to one another, this is how I became more like Jesus. And that I can confidently say I have become more like the one that I love. And today, I want us to pause and I want to ask ourselves, How's it going? How are you in the pursuit of our yearly vision of becoming more like Jesus? Am I intentionally moving toward that vision or am I aimlessly drifting away from it? Can you believe a third of the year has already passed? I don't know if it's because I'm 35. Maybe when I get into the glory years like the Fang parents right there, time moves even more quickly. But I find the older I get, time moves so fast. And I can't believe it's already the end of April. And part of me is like, wow, we've been through a lot. The the third of the year that we've experienced, it's been great. But part of me is also saying, already? Like already a a third of the year is up? And I'd bet to say we've lived enough of this year to know whether we're where we want to be or not. Spiritually, in our lives, circumstantially, we've lived enough days of 2022 to assess whether we're happy with where we're at or we're not. How many of you have ever made these lofty New Year's resolutions? Like, I made like 50, every year I make 50 New Year's resolutions because I'm so ambitious and I'm so optimistic. But how many of you have ever made these crazy lofty New Year's resolutions and then you blink and then you're at the end of the year and you realize you didn't follow through on any of those resolutions? And I think there's a missed opportunity there because we don't do what Paul tells us to do. Take assessment. Check yourself. Test yourself. Not at the end of the year, periodically throughout to see if you are on course. Church, hear me. We don't need to wait 
till 2023 and the brand new vision for our church for our new year to realign with the heart of God. We don't need these big tentpole moments to see where we're at and how we can come back to the heart of the Father. We don't need to wait for the next retreat because Lord knows when that's coming. We don't need to wait for the next conference or the new year. Right now, there is an invitation from the Spirit of God to assess where you're at and realign yourself to the step of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is challenging us to do here is to regularly take inventory of where we're at and realign ourselves to where God is taking us. The question I want to ask you is this, are you drifting? There are three kind of signs that we're drifting that I just want to throw at you very briefly. And these are things that that show us that we are drifting. The first is this lack of attention. When we neglect paying attention to ourselves, how am I doing emotionally? How am I doing mentally? How am I doing spiritually? You know how I got to dad bod? I wasn't paying attention to myself. And you'll, man, you'll just wait till you become a dad or a mom. I tell you, man, you will just unintentionally drift to this, okay? That's what you have to look forward to in life. But are we regularly paying attention to how we're doing? Are we regularly paying attention to our emotions, to what's going on in our heads? Are we regularly paying attention to how we're growing in faith? And the second, are we paying attention to what God is speaking? Because how many of you know God is always speaking? It's just oftentimes we're not paying attention enough. And so number one, it's the lack of attention. So how will I make room to pay attention to myself and to what God is saying? Number two is a lack of intention. You know, you don't just happen to stumble into growth or maturity. You know, I, I signed up in faith for a half marathon this summer. And, you know, Jerry, I, I talk about it every week since we ran, but Jerry is such a saint because he's been running with me and helping me train. But if I don't do a single thing and I just, I just happily waltz into the half marathon in July, I'm about to get my ass beat, okay? I'm not going to make it. But... If I intentionally train and run every week, I ran yesterday, Jerry, by the way, five miles. Are you proud of me? Thank you, coach. Okay. But if I'm intentional about every step that I take, then I'll get to where I'm going. And I find most of our lives are faith. The thing that isn't lacking is it isn't zeal. It isn't a desire to change or transform. It's simply intention. How many of you know salvation costs you nothing, but maturity will cost you everything? That salvation is a free gift that's given, but if you want to mature, you actually have to do something. You have to be intentional. What are you intentionally doing this year to grow in faith, to align yourself to this vision of becoming more like Jesus? Some of you just need to spend more time with the family member that you don't get along with or the coworker that you can't stand. Some of you just need to spend more time praying or reading the word. Some of you just need to spend more time coming to church, right? There are things that we are intentionally called to do, and this is why I'm refocusing us on the rule of life. You know, there's so many people that approach me and said, you know, I feel like I'm not growing this year. And I ask, have you tried our rule of life? And they'll be like, Sort of. Like, why don't you give it a shot? What do you have to lose? You know, our rule of life, we crafted for our community so that we could bake these spiritual rhythms into our lives so that we can intentionally grow. So lack of attention, lack of intention, how are we going to be intentional this year? And the last thing is a lack of disruption. I think some of us are way too busy, way too laser-focused on our, our goals 
to be disrupted by God. But how many of you know sometimes God needs to disrupt us? He needs to disrupt our plans, our ambitions, our dreams. Are you allowing yourself to be disrupted? In John, after Jesus was put to death in the book of John, the disciples scattered and they went back to their old lives as fishermen, back to comfort, back to safety, back to what they knew. And I just want to read through John 21 because I believe God wants to speak to some of us in this as we wrap up. I'm just going to read the whole story. So John 21, 1, this is how it goes. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon, Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. That sucks. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called to them and said, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. By the way, random miracle story, but I was, uh, I was abroad and I was fishing in this random pond and I wasn't catching anything. And my, uh, my friend, he read me this verse and he said, cast your, your, ten, your, uh, your pole to the other side. And so I did. And I caught like five fish, y'all. So just cast your net to the other side, guys. Okay, verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Isn't that the best invitation? Come and have breakfast. I'm waiting for God to say that to me one morning. None of them, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appears to, to, to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He's going to read the next portion. Bear with me. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Weird pastor thing. Chris and I do this thing where sometimes I'll go up to her because I'm so needy for words of affirmation. I'll be like, Krista, do you love me? She'll be like, yes. And I'll ask a second time, do you love me? She'd be like, yes. Third time, do you love me, Krista? She's like, yes, I love you. And I'll be like, then feed my sheep. It's a weird pastor thing. I don't know why we do, but it reminds me of this story. Don't do that in your relationship. Don't be a weird Christian, guys. Ugh, don't do that. But why am I telling this story? After all hope was lost, after they had drifted, after Jesus died and all hope died with him, they go back to their old lives. They go back to being the fishermen that they used to be, and they're not catching anything. They're not fruitful at all. And even Peter, he remembers the three times he denied Jesus. Why do you think Jesus asked him, do you love me, three times? He was redeeming the three times that he denied him. 
And Jesus comes back to them and says, do you not remember that you are no longer fishers of fishers of fish? You are now fishers of men. And I think for many of us, sometimes the place we drift back to in life is that place before Jesus called us into the next, into the thing that he's called us to pursue. And I find some of us revert back to the people that we were before Jesus came and transformed everything. That's the place that we drift to. But Jesus, I love that in this moment he comes and says, do you love me? And in a way, he's redeeming all the areas that we've come short, all the places that we've fallen short, all the places where we've let go and drifted away from him. And he's saying, come, let me remind you, you're not just fishermen, you're fishers of men. Your old life was about fishing for fish. Your new life is about fishing for men. And I feel like some of us need a reminder that we have new lives. We are new creations. That when we have entered into the other side of Easter, we do not go back to what used to be. But sometimes we need God to come and disrupt us in the middle of our normalcy, in the middle of who we used to be, in the middle of our boring work week, in the middle of just doing things just to do them, in the middle of our stale and dead relationships to remind us, I have called you to something more. And you are not meant to live in that old place any longer. Come away with me. I love that in 2 Corinthians, Paul starts by saying, take assessment. But this is how he ends that passage. He says, we don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them. And they go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. We pray hard that it will all come together in your lives. What's he saying? Guess what? You can't do it on your own. You can't become more like me on your own. You can't do what I did on your own. You can't... Thrive in this life of faith on your own. You need me. And when you're able to celebrate in your weaknesses and bring it before me, I will turn it into my strength. As a church, I want to ask you, a third of the year has already played out. And I want to ask you this. Where are you right now? And what would you like the remaining two-thirds of the year to look like? Because the year is not over. It's not too late to realign our hearts to God. So I want to I wanna spend a little bit of time. I, I preached an intentionally short message because I believe I want to create a space where we can reflect on some questions that I believe God is asking us today as a community as we rally once again and realign our hearts to this vision of formation. And so Isaac's going to play this beautiful, feely good worship pad, and I want us to all close our eyes as we reflect on some of these questions. The first question, actually, I'm just going to read all of them and then we'll go through them one by one. The first question is, how have you grown so far in 2022? I think sometimes we don't take enough time to celebrate where we've been, to take notice of how far we've actually come. How have you grown so far in 2022? In what ways have you already grown in your faith or become more like Christ? In what ways have you progressed in things that you wanted to do this year? Second question, in what ways have you drifted? In what ways have you drifted from the heart of God, from the vision of formation? Third question is maybe less of a question and more of a fill in the blank. I would like to spend more time blank for the rest of the year. What do you want to spend more time doing 
more time being intentional about, more time paying attention to, more time being disrupted in. And the fourth question, I would like to spend less time blank the rest of the year. What is something that you want to cut out or you realize it's not helping you in your journey of faith or helping you move forward in the life that God has called you to? And so I want to take time just intentionally going through these four questions, starting with the first. How have you grown so far in 2022? Take some time to ask God, what are some ways that you have been moving in my life? What are some areas that I've already been growing in? What are some breakthroughs that I've seen in my life with you, God? And I want you to take a moment to thank God and to celebrate how far you've already come this year. For some of us, you don't realize how much of a miracle it is that you made it through pandemic in one piece. I feel like for some of us, This one-third of the year already has already seen so many ups and downs. And I believe the providence of God has already shown and been evidenced in our lives. What are some of the ways that you've grown? What are some of the ways that God has really moved in you? Maybe for some of you, it's simply, I've been more disciplined this year. I've been spending more time with God. Maybe for some of you, I've been more patient in my relationships. Maybe for some of you, I've allowed myself to tap into my emotions. What is it? How have you grown? The second question I want us to reflect on with God is, in what ways have you drifted? In what places and what areas of our lives and our hearts have drifted away from the vision that God has given us for this year? Where is an area where I need to come back to the heart of the Father? I want you to ask God, God, where in my heart? Search me, examine me, show me any ways that have been offensive to you, and how can I repent and come back to your heart? Spend some time asking God that question. In what ways have you drifted? And then in our remaining time, I... Actually, I would encourage if you have like a notes app or something or, you know, journal and pen, I want us to fill in the blank for these two questions. The first is, I would like to spend more time blank the rest of the year. I would like to spend more time praying the rest of the year. I would like to spend more time fellowshipping with other believers the rest of the year. I would like to spend more time investing in my emotional health and growth the rest of the year. What is it you want to spend more time doing for the rest of the year? Because one-third of the year is already played out, but we have a say in what the remaining two-thirds of the year are going to look like. So just fill in that blank. I would like to spend more time blank the rest of the year. And the second is like it. I would like to spend less time blank the rest of the year. I would like to spend less time worrying the rest of the year. I would like to spend less time binging Netflix for the rest of the year. I would like to spend less time in negativity the rest of the year. What is something you want to spend less time doing? And would you write those two things down, whatever they are? I would like to spend more time blank the rest of the year. I would like to spend less time blank the rest of the year. Just take a moment to do that.